There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. Let's go. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it. So, Father, you hear us and you respond. I pray that, God, we would be open and ready to receive. We let you know that we lay down every burden, we cast down every care, and we prepare ourselves to receive your word. I pray that we are focused. I pray that we are focused, and I pray that every scale that will be on our eyes, every scale that will be over our ears, that it is removed. God, speak to us so that we get to our best more quickly. Speak to us to a strength, and speak to us with power, and for that we say thank you in Jesus' name. We say take three seconds and put a praise in the atmosphere, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, YouTube. Come on, Facebook, put a praise right where you're at. Right where you're at. Let's go to work. So this series, as you know, is Summer Songs. That's why we got all of these records behind. Now, how many of you still have records at home? Wave at me. You still got records at home. Listen, they're going to be worth something, so you might want to hold on to them. How many still got CDs at the house? They, okay, they might be worth something. You may want to hold on to them. How many still got tapes? Okay, let's go here. How many of y'all still got eight tracks? I sense an eight-track spirit in the room. I knew it was in here. I knew it was somebody in here. That's why you see all of this behind me. We're seeing biblical principles in summer songs, and we open with summer cookout. We saw how one cookout literally changed Saul's life forever for the better. And I told you that that's important to you uh, because it literally was a weird situation that changed Saul's life. Think about it. He was looking for his father's donkeys and he literally, when he's ready to give up, his servant has this idea. And the servant says, oh, I got an idea. You only need one idea to be the game changer for you. You don't need everybody. You just need one somebody that knows how to make it happen for you. I need you to speak this over your next six months. Say the right idea at the right time. 
It was one weird situation because he's literally looking for the seer. That's what they called the man of God in those days. He said, I'm looking for the seer. He was speaking to the seer and said, I'm looking for the seer. He was speaking to what he was looking for. I'll say it again. He was in the face of what he was looking for, and he didn't know that what he was looking for, he was looking at. I pray that what you've been looking for in these next six months, you're going to be looking at. Come on, Wednesday. You're going to be looking in the very face of the thing that you've been looking for. You're going to walk into the very property you've been looking for. You're going to walk up to the very automobile you've been looking for. You're going to walk into the very friendship you've been looking for. You're going to walk into the very relationship you've been looking for. You're going to be looking at what you've been looking for. He's looking for the seer and he's looking at what he's been looking for and he speaks to the seer. He speaks to the man of God. And the man, he says, do you know where the seer is? And the seer says, I am the man of God. In other words, I'm what you've been looking for. Lay your hands on yourself so you're going to find it in the next six. I need you to say that thing like it's literally going to drop in your lap in the next six months. Say, I'll find it in the next six months. He literally says, I'm what you've been looking for. He says, I want to invite you to my cookout. We're having a cookout tomorrow. I'm modernizing the text. We're having a cookout tomorrow. And listen, you don't have to bring anything. Matter of fact, your whole life you've been bringing up your thing for everybody else. He said, for the first time in your life, you're about to be in a position where people are going to bring it to you. See, for those of you who thought your faithfulness didn't pay off, oh, wait until these next six. For those of you who thought your kindness didn't pay off, wait until the next six. For those of you who thought your serving didn't pay off, wait until the next six. Because, Saul, you've been used to providing for other people. But in these next six months, we're going to provide for... So what happens? He's invited to the cookout. And I need some of you to hear me. You're about to get invitations. I feel like preaching tonight. You're about to get some invitations to some strange places. You're about to get invited to some tables. You're trying to figure out, how did I get to this table? How am I sitting with these people? How am I sitting in this room? I don't have the background. I don't have the education. I don't have the credentials. But watch me. You got the favor. Mm. And faithfulness brings favor. I, I just need you to elbow somebody next to you and say, you've got the favor required. You, uh -uh, wrong person, because when you said that, they should have put a praise behind it. Can you elbow somebody else? Say, you've got the favor that's required. You, and when they see you, they're going to say, you're exactly what we've been looking for. Matter of fact, I dare you to put your first and last name in the atmosphere, because that name's about to be brought up. With people that have the power to change the trajectory of your life. If you're a business owner, say your business. Your business name is about to be brought up. Customers are going to find you. His name's brought up. He's invited to the table. I mean, he's invited to the table. He sits at the head of the table, him and his servant, which means, watch me, in these next six months, watch me, there's a reason God lets some people detach from you in the first six months. And I need you not to be angry, not to be frustrated, not to be mad. Watch me. At the altitude you're headed to, everybody can't go. Why? The higher you go up the mountain, the thinner the air, which means some people simply can't breathe at a higher level of life. And for everybody under the sound of my voice, in the first six months, there were some people God dismissed from around you. Why? Because he said, I'm about to watch me. When you sit at the table, Saul, everybody that's still connected to you is going to sit at the table, Saul, which means your whole circle's coming up, which is why I had to cut some people out of your circle. Why? Because they had no business sitting at your table. 
Why? They don't know how to handle the air up here. It's too thin for them. I need you to be grateful. Watch me. For the people that walked out of your life in the first six months. I need you to be thankful for every person that quit you, every person that ghosted you, every person that walked out on you, every person that just disappeared on you. Am I talking to anybody on this Wednesday night? Guess what? God says they can't survive at the next level of life that you're about to step into in these next six months. So the Saul and his servant get seated at the head of the table. And Saul says, uh, what am I doing here? Why are you speaking to me like this? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe. My family is not that important. Why are you speaking to me like this is weird? This is weird. And why is this significant for you? Because 2022 is a weird year for you. See, Saul didn't know what his assignment in life was until he met Samuel. And when he met Samuel, Samuel said, you're not going to do what your father did. You're about to be the first king. And not just the first king in your family. You're going to be the first king ever in the historiosity of Israel because there's never been one like you before. And for many of you, watch me, you have sometimes struggled with what am I supposed to do what am I here for? I'm doing this now, but there's got to be more. Let me check the room. Let me check online. Is there anybody where your question to God in the last 18 to 24 months has been, God, is this it or is there more? Saul did not know that there was more in him until Samuel began to unlock him and pull it out of him. Let me help you understand why you're connected to me and I'm connected to you. My assignment is to pull everything that's in you out of you because you think what you're doing is it. Boo, I need you to hear me. There's more. Ma'am, there's more. Sir, there's more. Can I get you to just wink over at somebody close to you say, there's more, there's more, there's more. In the comments, just type wink. There's more. There's more. There is more. You're more than just a mother. You're more than just a father. You're more than just somebody's son. You're more than just somebody's daughter. You weren't sent to pay bills and die. Let's go, y'all. You were sent to rule and to reign and to conquer and subdue. Number one, weird means doing your assignment. This is what Saul was created to do. Number two, supernatural. It's supernatural because when you read the story, Saul, before he becomes king, he becomes prophet. He begins prophesying. God begins to use him. In fact, the scripture says he's turned into a totally different person. That's supernatural. Because how many of us can be honest that we've tried to change on our own and not always been as successful as we wanted? So you need the Lord to come in and add some super to your natural because there's things that you were struggling with six months ago that today you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Matter of fact, when some people bring up how you used to live, where you used to go, what you used to do, sometimes you're like, did I really do that? Because I don't even remember that version of me because the change that's happened in me, baby, it ain't natural. This has been super. What I used to have a taste for, I don't even reach for that anymore. The kind of relationships you used to want, you don't even want no more. The types of friends you used to want, you don't even want no more. The change that's happened in you, this hasn't been natural. This has been supernatural. Number three, uncanny. Number four, creepy. In other words, you're asking this question. It's not a negative phrase. It literally means, is this really happening for me? This is what was going on in Saul's life. And who is Saul in the story? You. You are Saul in this story. Saul says, is this really happening for me? I, I've been invited to the head 
of the table, and I'm not just king, but I'm also prophet. Which means, which means, which means when I speak something, heaven's going to respond. I just, I couldn't even find my father's donkeys. And just like that, I got a promotion. You'll get it in the middle. In the moment that I felt like a failure, that's when God said you qualify for. I want to talk to some of y'all tonight where the enemy's been trying to make you feel like you're a failure because certain things in your life aren't going the way that you planned. Can I tell you something Wednesday? That wherever you may feel like a failure, God says, listen, because you can handle discouragement, because you can handle disappointment, you just qualify for an appointment of promotion. Come on, somebody say, and I'm moving on up. He's sitting at the head of the table. And it's his time. It's his time. It's his time. It's his time. Somebody say, Bishop, what time is it? Ask me, say, Bishop, what time is it? Your time. I'll talk over here because they ain't saying nothing over there. Y'all ask me, say, Bishop, what time is it? Your time. Middle section, say, what time is it? Your time. Over here, what time is it? Your time online. What time is it? Somebody holler, it's my time. You didn't cry enough. It's time to celebrate. You have been down long enough. It's time to rise up. You have been dealing with low people long enough. It's time to upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Listen, he's seated, he's seated at the head of the table. And he's thinking, is this really happening? For me, this thing is zany. And all of these definitions I've taught you, I taught you on Sunday. Saul is the son of Kish, which his father's name means power. He's a wealthy, influential man. He's from this tribe of Benjamin, which I already taught you was a small tribe. It wasn't a significant tribe. And he's sent on a journey to find those donkeys. What do those donkeys represent? Sign of the blessing. How blessed you were were connected to how many donkeys you had. Because donkeys represented donkeys. Donkeys. <laughs> Donkeys, I mixed represented and donkey together. If you were spiritual, you'd know what I was saying. I'm just messing. Donkeys, donkeys represented luxury automobiles in the Hebrew culture. So if you had a lot of donkeys, that meant that you had lots of automobiles. Here's what that really meant. You had mobility. You could get where you wanted to go and take who you wanted to take. And then it represented strength. He's sent to find those donkeys with who? One servant. And I taught you, he goes on this journey. How many places? Four places. The first is Ephraim. What is that? It represents his past. Number two, Shalisha. What's her name? Shalisha. <laughs> Listen, that means three idols. Watch me. After he goes to his past, look at me. This is what a lot of Americans are doing. He looked to himself. See, three idols. Me, myself, and I. See, sometimes you have to be careful because a lot of the stuff that you're seeing on, I manifested it. Boo, you ain't got the power to manifest nothing. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Oh, I made that happen. You couldn't even make a man love you. Don't tell me you made that happen. Y'all not saying nothing. I need you not to look to yourself as an idol. Somebody say, I am not an idol. Number three, he went to foxes, and foxes represent uh, 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 cunning, crafty people, deceivers. So first he goes to his past. Number two, he goes to himself to make an idol out of himself. Then he deals with some low-down, dirty skanks. Y'all not going to say nothing. He deals with some deceivers. 
and he doesn't find the donkeys. Then fourthly, he goes to his relatives and family because he goes to Benjamin and that's where he's from. I want you to pay attention because all of us have gone on this journey. You went to your past to find your strength, to find your blessing, to find your mobility. It didn't work. Then you went to yourself like, I'm done with people. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. And you made an idol out of yourself. Then you went to some, watch me, some deceivers because they knew how to prey on your thirst. <laughs> they knew how to prey on your vulnerability. They could see, you. look, you were sitting at the bar just having a sip on something. And they said, yep, I found me a mark tonight. I got me one tonight. And then you went to your family. After you were disappointed by external people, you watched me. You went to internal people thinking, well, my internal people won't do me dirty. To only discover that your internal people, what does Benjamin mean? Ravenous wolves. Sometimes Family will do you dirty quicker than strangers. Finally, he gets to Zuth. And Zuth means the land of the voice of Samuel. Samuel is the what? Man of God. So in the story, check it out. God is who? God. Saul is who? You. Samuel is who? Me. The man of God. Check it out. Finally, at, at the fifth stage, he gets to Zuth. And Zuth means honeycomb. In other words, you're about to be rewarded. For all these disappointments you've had, oh, you're about to be. I think he saved the best for last, which means you had to last in order to get to the best. Watch me Wednesday. Every person where you did not give up, but you have lasted. I need you to release the I lasted praise right there. Oh, I lasted. Oh, I lasted. Oh, I lasted. Oh, I lasted. You didn't commit suicide, you lasted. You didn't throw in the towel, you lasted. You didn't let the enemy play you, you lasted. Somebody say it, he saved the best for last. Let's go, let's go, let's go. He saves the best for last. So he follows Samuel's instructions. And what happens? First Samuel 10, 6 is supernatural. This is zany. This is uncanny. Because the man he needed to be, watch me, uh, he wasn't yet. Listen, here's sometimes the, uh, the chasm that you and I face is that where I need to go, I'm not yet who I need to be. So we got two options, three options really. One, do nothing. Somebody say, that's not an option. Why is that not an option? Because it's your time. So it's not an option to stay stagnant. Here's the second option. I can try to do all the work myself. And you see how long it takes just for you to decide to order something different at the restaurant. Somebody said, try something new. I'm not doing all of that. I'm going to get what I want. Somebody told me that today. I said, you know, what am I going to do? They said, just go to such and such where you normally go. I said, I, I don't want that. They said, well, sir, try something different. I said, I don't want to try something different. I'd just much rather eat somewhere different than try something different because I don't want to do that. Because watch me. Because sometimes you become comfort in what you, comfortable in what you find works. You ready? Here's the third option. It's got to be supernatural. Which means who I need to become Listen, God, I'm going to need you to do what I can't do. See, I'm going to need you to take my shy. I'm going to need you to take my insecurity. I'm going to need you to take my fear. 
I'm gonna need, watch me, God, I'm going to need you to give me the push I need. Come on, you'll catch it in a minute. See, there's some things about you that God says, this is in the way. So to get it out of the way, I'm going to have to supernaturally change it because we don't have another decade for you to waste. Let me talk over here. We don't have six months to waste. By six months, the weird year is going to be over, which means your supernatural window will have closed. So I need you to change, and I need you to change now. So what happens when he follows Samuel's instructions? Look on the screen. The Bible says, suddenly, the Spirit of the Lord will take control of you. Lift your hands in this building. Lift your hands online. Say, Lord, take control. Take control. I say it with authority. Say, Lord, take control. Say, make me who I need to be for the seat I'm about to take. Say, make me who I need to be for the authority I'm about to walk in. Say, make me who I need to be for the place I'm about to occupy. Make me who I need to be for my best six months. Make me my best so I can experience the best. And the Bible says it wasn't five days, it wasn't 10, it wasn't 30, it wasn't 40. Come on, it happened suddenly. And suddenly you're going to forgive your mama. And suddenly you're going to forgive your daddy. And suddenly you're going to let go of the bitterness. And suddenly you're going to let go of the pain. And suddenly you're going to let go of the heartache. And suddenly you're going to let go of the bitterness. And suddenly you're going to let go of your generational curses. And suddenly. Come on, Wednesday, we're about to move on, but I need you to put that word all in your section. Say, suddenly. Type it online, suddenly. Let's go. It says, the Spirit of the Lord will take control of you, and you will become a, look at me, a different person. Everybody, look at me. You cannot tell God, this is who I am. Then why be a Christian if all you want to do is put a Jesus shirt over an old person? See, God is into you changing from the inside out, not just from the outside in. Because you can put a lot of lipstick on a pig, but it still stank. And I don't need you just looking the part. I need you being the part. I, I, I need you to walk in a room and your, your authority is so strong that demonic forces get an attitude with you just because you walked in. Why? And when I walked in, I didn't need to know the enemy's name. The enemy knew my name because I was a walking I'm a different person. Bishop, how do I know I'm different? Because people who knew you before tell you. If nobody's saying you're acting funny, you ain't different yet. If nobody's saying you ain't acting different, you're funny. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't different yet. If, if none of your family is tripping with you, say, you do too much. You're always listening to the word. You're always listening to the church. You're always giving. You're always, if they ain't saying nothing like that to you, you ain't different. They're not telling you, oh, you think you all that. Listen, when you hear stuff like that, you need to be like, Friends you used to go to school with, if they can't tell, if you're the same high school you as you are today, we have a, Houston, we have a problem. He says, you will become a what? A different person. What did he become? He became prophet and king. He became prophet and king. He became prophet and king. He was looking for some donkeys, and he became prophet and king. Check this out. Check this out. He says, I'm not just going to make you, watch me, spiritual. I'm going to make you successful. 
Let's see. Let's see. Revelation 5.10. And I make you kings and priests, spiritual and successful. You can pray and you can slay. You can speak in heavenly tongues and you can speak in the tongues of business. You can put on a good church outfit, whatever that means. Because I broke all the rules for church outfits, but you ain't never seen no bishop in no shorts, don't you? But it's too hot. I'm not wearing no. I'm not doing it. Not today. Uh uh-uh. uh. Listen, listen, listen. Prophet and king, spiritual and successful. He became a different person. And he became a different person suddenly. Now, I know I've had you saying a lot, but you're going to say a lot more. So just get ready. Lay your hands on yourself. Say your name. Say suddenly. You will become a different person. Better than before. I speak to every addiction that's operating in your life right now and I pray for many of you when you wake up that addiction won't even be an issue for you you won't have a desire y'all not praying with me you won't have a desire for it you won't have a taste for it you won't have a reach for it because suddenly you're going to become a different person say and it's getting ready to happen then he goes to the cookout. And when he goes to the cookout, 1 Samuel 9, 22, he's at the what? head of the table. Then he's appointed king in 1 Samuel 10, 22. Now, this is interesting. Pay attention. I just caught this. He, he goes to the cookout, 1 Samuel 9 and 22. Uh-huh. He goes to the cookout, 1 Samuel 9 and 22. Please go back. He goes to the cookout, 1 Samuel 9 and mm-hmm. All right. All right. Okay, watch me. Then he's anointed and appointed king, 1 Samuel 10 and You do know God plays the numbers. Somebody say, I'm about to witness this. He's anointed and appointed king, 1 Samuel 10 and 22. But when he's anointed and appointed king, when Samuel's getting ready to make the public announcement. Now, check this out. He was anointed in private. What, is, what does that mean, Bishop? It's literally where um, Samuel took a ram's horn of oil and poured it over his head. And that oil covered him. The anointing, according to Isaiah 10, it breaks yokes. What are yokes? Yokes are are connections to things. Literally, a yoke is a wooden instrument that would connect two ox together. So if you were yoked to another ox, you needed that ox to move like you moved so that ox wasn't a distraction to you. You didn't need to be yoked to an ox that didn't want to get anything done because you would have to make up for that ox's lack. Deuteronomy 22 and 10 says, thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Because if you are an ox and you're connected and yoked to somebody that is not an ox, you will constantly be at war, watch me, just to make progress. You'll constantly be at war, watch me, just to stay in the same place. Because while you're trying to move forward, they're bucking. You still with me? All right, so literally... Um, He's anointed, and when he's anointed, he's anointed in private. Uh, What does anointing represent for you and I? Number one, the tangibility of the oil. There is still a power in that. And for my online fam, you can get some that's been prayed over. I pray over it myself. I don't have anybody else pray over it. 
I lay my hands and pray to myself. You can get it online. If you're in the building, you can get it in the store. I'm not saying it because I'm trying to sell something. I'm saying it because there's a power in that. Because some of you, watch me, before you walk out your house, you need to be anointing yourself. Before you send your kids uh, into any in, uh, environment, you need to be anointing them. Before you get a car, you need to be anointing it. In your home, you need to be anointing it. When people come into your house, you need to have some oil by your door. Say, before you come in here, I don't know what spirits you may be coming in here with, so I'm going to need you to go on and shut that off at the door. Y'all not saying nothing? Watch me. Pay attention. Pay attention. Um, the tangibility of the oil. But then secondly, the anointing represents every place you've been crushed. Because to get olive oil, you have to crush olives. So when you are anointed, it is any place that crushed you. Watch me. But the crushing didn't kill you. The crushing made you better. See, some of you, you've been through a lot of relationship drama. Guess what? You're anointed for relationships. Because you were crushed, but you didn't let it kill you. You were crushed, but you didn't let it break you. For some of you, you've gone through financial battles, and you thought it was punishment. No, it was to give you an oil. It was to give you an anointing so that, watch me, you know how to take nothing and turn it into something. Can I get you to just let somebody next to you know, say, you are anointed. You are. How do I know? Every place you've been crushed but you bounce back. Your bounce back is proof of the fact that you're anointed in that area. And I need some of y'all to hear me tonight. In these next six months, you're going to need all of your oil. In these next six months, you're going to need all of your oil because what you do in the next six is going to be far greater than anything you've done before. What if what you've gone through wasn't punishment, but it was preparation? Olives are cheap. Olive oil? Yo, it's not. Olive oil ain't cheap. Olives, you can get about 88 cents a can. It's only after they've been crushed that they're worth something. Uh-uh, I'm about to test the room. For every person in the building and no line that has ever gone through something that crushed you, disappointed you, hurt you, felt like it broke you down to the last compound, but then you bounced back, I'll know by your praise. You got 10 seconds. Go. 10. Only the anointed people should be praising right here. 9. 8. Only the anointed people. 7. 6. And that's you. 5. That's you. 4. That's you. 3. 2. Somebody shout, I'm anointed. I'm appointed. It's my time. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. You ready? He's anointed in private. He's appointed in public. He's prepared in private. He is proclaimed in public. But when it's time for his public recognition, what is he doing? Samuel's looking for him, but he's hiding behind his baggage. He's hiding behind his fear, his insecurities. Watch me. He's hiding behind what his mama said, what his daddy said, what his cousin said. He's hiding behind the fact that nobody in his family has ever done anything worth noting. And so every time he tries to do something, they try to pull him back like you're doing too much. He's hiding behind baggage. He's hiding behind what are they going to think? How are they going to feel? He's hiding behind baggage. And do you know what the Bible says? It's the Lord that calls him out and says, here he go. Look at me. 
Look at me, look at me. In these next six months, you will not be able to hide. Because God himself is going to say, you are coming out. Oh, my God. Can I get you to just make this declaration and say, I won't be able to hide. Oh, no, your gifts won't be able to be hidden in the next six months. Your talents won't be able to be hidden. Your business won't be hidden. Your skill won't be hidden. You will not be hidden. He's hidden. And he's hidden on purpose because of his own baggage. And he's hiding behind it. But then he gets over it. Somebody say he gets over it. And when he gets over it, pay attention to what happens. When he gets over it, everybody begins to say, long live the king. Long live the king. Long live the king. Do it. Long live the king. Everybody celebrate. It's like a football game. Everybody. And you know, he's like. He's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But then there's some scoundrels. And these scoundrels, watch what the Bible says they do. Um, first of all, he sees who's with him. Because everybody wasn't a scoundrel. But I want you to pay close attention to this verse. A group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. Listen, God's not going to touch everybody. Because he don't want everybody to go. <laughs> he ain't going to touch everybody. Because some, he say, I don't want them to contaminate your next. Y'all ain't going to say. I don't want them to contaminate. I don't even want them in the delivery room because they're going to contaminate it. Watch me. And who you thought you needed, you don't need anyhow. Come in, Moses. I'll make a great nation out of you. I don't want everybody to go with you. I only want those whose heart I touch. Listen, listen, you don't want, listen, you don't just want a crowd. You ready? You want a crew. Because a crowd may clap and shout and do nothing to help. But crew is there to work and make. You're about to have people in your life that when they show up to your house, they're going to be like, okay, what we got to do? We got to put this up. We got to move this over here. We got to move this over here. You're about to have some help. Somebody say, and my crew is coming. And my you don't need people sitting back watching. You need people that's ready to work. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. But there were some scoundrels. Come on, Wednesday. Scallywags. Come on here. Skeezers. Suckers. And they're not just a sucker. A jive time sucker. All my millennials, um, I want you to Google that. There were some scoundrels. And here's what the scoundrels did. No, believe my back is right there. See, people be trying to move your stuff. I'm just messing. No, thank you. No, I know. I know. There were some scoundrels. What did they do? They complained. They scorned him, which means they were unpleasant to deal with. And they refused to bring him gifts. They said, we know we should honor you, Saul, but we're not going to honor you. And the reason we're not going to honor you, watch me, it's not even so much about them. It's so that Saul knows who not to depend on. See, sometimes you're not going to know who not to depend on until you see how they act when they don't think you're looking. 
But what does the Bible say? But Saul did what? Ignored them. I pray that in these next six months, Wednesday, that you would have the grace to know what to ignore and not stay stuck on and not be mad about. There's some things you're going to need to let roll off your back like duck on the back, uh, like water on the back of a duck. Come on, make this declaration. Say, and I'll ignore the scoundrels. Ignore in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament, it literally means he kept plowing. So Saul was like, look, okay, I'm king now. He said, I was scared at first. He said, you should have tried that scoundrel stuff while I was scared. You should have tried that scoundrel stuff before I knew who I was. You should have counted that scoundrel stuff when I was hiding behind my baggage, not thinking that I actually deserved the throne, not thinking that I was worthy. And here's the truth. I'm not, but because God is so good, he made me. He doesn't call the qualified. He'll call you, and then he'll qualify you for what he called you to do. Saul said, I'm going to keep plowing, and I'm going to keep plowing. And I'm going to keep plowing. And I'm going to build the best nation you ever seen. And it's going to be amazing. Come on, prophesy to what you're about to do in your life. Say, it's going to be amazing. Statistic shattering. Come on, speak life. Say, speak life. Say, statistic shattering. Groundbreaking. Life altering. Huge. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. Say, and it'll be for real. Saul kept plowing. Saul was like, I ain't stunned you. Saul was like, you didn't bring me nothing, but look at who did. Saul was like, you got an attitude, but look at who don't. Saul was like, oh, you don't want to be, be deal, decent to deal with, but look at all the ones that are decent to deal with. Look at me. Stop focusing on the scoundrels and focus on your support. Y'all ready? I said, are you ready? Look, look at me. Say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to deal with scoundrels. So, so let me spend just a couple of seconds here. We're almost done. Go back to the previous verse. When you see these characteristics, you need to recognize, no, I don't have time for that. When you see a complainer, I don't have time for that. When they come to you with complaints, What is a complaint, Bishop? It is presenting a problem without a solution. That's a complaint. See, a lot of times, and let me help, let me help, because sometimes you will misidentify people who bring you solutions, and you'll say they're complaining. They're not complaining because they brought you a solution. That's not a complaint. That's a constructive suggestion. But you need to bring a solution. You're just telling me, it's leaking over there. What you want me to do? Do you have a suggestion for the leak? Because other than that, so you walked past it and came to, told me, came to tell me, but you didn't get a towel to try to stop the water, and there's no leak over here. I'm just making a point. Say, I will ignore complainers. Here's what you do to a complainer. You mark them. Say, that one's a complainer. So I got to be careful because complaints are cancerous. And cancer spreads unless it's treated with radiation unless it's treated with something that's going to make it stop. And you know sometimes who's supposed to make it stop? You ready, Wednesday? You. The only reason people keep doing this is because ain't nobody checked them. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Tell somebody close to you and say, in the name of Jesus, no complaining in this section. 
Come on, online. I need you to say, no complaining, no complaining. But look at the next thing. They scorned him. They were, diff- they were just difficult to deal with for no reason. Just difficult for no reason. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because everybody, you look, when, whenever you start talking about stuff like this, people start getting people on their mind. I know church people. I know y'all do. You start getting people on your mind. Say it, Bishop! Ha! <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. You ready? Somebody say, this is to me. All right, come on, because we all need to check ourselves here. Watch me. They're unpleasant to do it just for no reason. Just have an attitude just because. Everybody else, hey, hey, <sighs> take your home. You got attitude for no reason. You did deal with for no reason. Everybody else got a good, a good demeanor, a good, we're excited, shalom, everyone, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Everybody else brought stuff to the cookout. Everybody else dancing, having a good time. And they sitting there looking all sad. Trying to suck the energy out the room. What's wrong with you? I'm fine. Can you go do that at the house next door? Matter of fact, can you go to the store and pick up everything on this list? And send them, send them with a little money and just let them go to the store and say, you can't come back until you got all the stuff in the list. And little did they know, we sent you out of here because we didn't want that spirit in here. All the rest of your kids having a good time and that one kid want to control the atmosphere. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. You can control what you pay for, son. You can control what you pay for, daughter. Y'all ain't said nothing to me and I'm right about it. You looking for something to control? Get you a check and a job, and you can check in the cash, and you can have whatever kind of attitude you want to have. But up in here, if we finna go eat, we finna have a good time, and you finna be sitting at this table on your little, on your little computer device uh, with an attitude with everybody. Put, the, put it down. We all having a good time. Unfold your arms. Smile. Y'all, you better put a smile on your face. Mama, I can't find a way, but you better think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you. Because some of you parents, I don't understand how you get punked by your kids. I'm just saying. I don't, I'm just saying. You know I mean? Let's go. <laughs> then they refused to bring gifts. They dishonored him. They disrespected him. They disrespected him. So say, I will ignore the scoundrels. Say, because I don't have time for that. Sunday in summertime by Will Smith, we learn how God, so now he's king, Saul is king, Saul is in his reign now, um, how God caused and used Saul's anger or emotion for Saul to take constructive action. And I taught you from this, if you look at 1 Samuel 11 and 6, the spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul and he became very angry. So watch this. Twice now, we've seen the spirit of God come powerfully on Saul. The first time, what happens? He becomes a different person. The second time, he becomes an angry man. Because God was going to use his emotion in order to cause him to evolve. He was going to use his anger to cause him to take constructive action. Say constructive action. 
which means sometimes there's feelings you cannot shake. And the reason you cannot shake them is because God intends to use them in order to bring about change. But listen, sometimes you're like, God, why, won't, why can't I shake this? You didn't pray, you didn't fast, you didn't listen to worship music, you didn't gone up, you didn't gone up in tongues, came down in tongues. You didn't done this, you didn't done that, you didn't ran back and forth. You've touched every neighbor in your entire department. You nail-bowled everybody. You've listened to every message that's possibly available. You didn't listen to the podcast. You listened to prayer. You listened to the replay. You didn't done all of that. And watch me. And none of that has been able to shake the feeling. Because sometimes God says, I need you to feel this way. Look at me. Because that's the only time you'll do anything. You won't change until you feel this way. So I will use whatever I got to use to get what I want. How many of you in these last six months, there's been some emotion that you have not been able to shake? Wave at me. There's been some emotion. Look at me, look at me. The reason you couldn't shake it is because God wanted to use it. Make this declaration and say, and the Lord wanted to use it. And what happens? Saul steps out of his normal nature. And in verse 11, the Bible says Saul launched a surprise attack and no two of them were left together. In other words, when Saul got angry, Saul said, oh, no, I'm getting ready to turn this thing upside down. And he ends up having a great victory. Look at me. Whatever emotion you cannot shake, God wants to use it to fuel your next. I'll say it again Wednesday. Whatever emotion you cannot shake, God wants to use it to fuel your next. Because sometimes you won't start doing right by you until you can't shake the emotion that other people did you wrong. I wish I had some honest people Wednesday. Well, sometimes it's not until you look at how people have done you dirty that you finally decide to do yourself right. Saul has great success. Everybody say great success. But then success makes Saul sloppy. He's had these great victories. He's, he, he's got a cookout. He's prophet. He's king. He's got this great military victory. He literally launches this surprise attack overnight. He rescues his people. And now. Somebody say, and now. And now, and now success has made Saul sloppy. Do not be the type of person where God has to keep you low because you can't be trusted with high. It's quiet in the building. Uh-uh, don't get quiet now. Elbow somebody next to you and say, don't be that one, don't be that one. 1 Samuel 15 and 3. God gives Saul an instruction. Look at me. He didn't give it to Samuel to give to Saul. He gives it directly to Saul because Saul is both prophet and king. He's subject to Samuel. Pay attention. Sometimes you got to listen carefully. When God believes he can trust you, he will entrust you to do what seems way beyond you. All right. So look at the screen. Here's what the Lord says. Complete. Now, listen, can I just keep it 100 with you? I love God. You don't love God? No, seriously, I love him. Because, see, I love that he's a lover. I love that he's my father. I love that he's Abba. I love that he's my provider, my protector. I love all that. But you know what I really like? He's a killer. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. God says, mess with my people, and I'm coming to see you. 
I feel bad for everybody that did any child of God wrong because yes, he's a lover. Ooh, but he's gonna make sure he takes care of who did you wrong. Watch me Wednesday, this ain't for everybody, but for anybody that's excited about the fact that God is a God that's gonna get vengeance on your behalf, can I get you to release a praise right? Oh, he'll fight for me. Oh, he'll cut somebody's head for me. Oh, he'll take somebody out the earth for me. Oh, he'll knock somebody down for me. I need you to fist bump two or three people say, he'll fight for you, he'll. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? I love him because he's a fighter. I love him because he's my defender. I love him because he's Jehovah Sabaoth the God that'll cut somebody's head for me. I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. I love him, 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 I love him. I love him for his grace. I love him for his mercy. I love him for all that. But I love him. Because right when they think they got away with it, God will start tapping on that head. He'll start sucking on them teeth. Y'all not saying nothing. Y'all don't know nothing about that. God says, oh, oh, and I remember what you did to my son. And I remember what you did to my daughter. See, some of y'all, here's why you need to rejoice. Don't be mad at nobody. Come on, speak to say, I'm not mad at, I know it's not good English, but just say it with me. Say, I'm not mad at nobody. Say, because God's got this. I don't need you to try to get even. I don't need you to try to clap back. I don't even need you to try to tell your side. Because he doesn't take sides. He takes over. So what happens? He remembers what the Amalekites had done to his people. And he says, hey, 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 Saul. Come here, boy. I want you to completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. I want you to destroy their men, their women, their children, their babies, their cattle, their sheep, their camels, their goats, and their donkeys. I want you to obliterate them from the planet in my name. I just, I don't know who needs this, but can I just get you to fist bump somebody in the room and say, watch God handle it. Online, you type that in the comments, watch. You're going to be glad you didn't try to handle it. You're going to be glad you didn't clap back. Oh my God, I don't know who needs to hear this Wednesday, but I need you to say this, say, watch God handle it. God says, oh, I remember what you did, Amalek. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember. I remember the time. You ready? Verse 9. Now, what did God just tell Saul to do? Kill everything. Everybody. He said everything. He said the men, the women, the babies, the camels, the goats, the baby goats, the baby camels. He said, don't let one of them live. And do it in my name. Because see, sometimes people need to know not to mess with God's people. 
Because we got a world that thinks they can treat God's people any kind of way. Y'all not going to say that. I'm going to move on. We got a world that thinks they can treat children of God any kind of way. But I'm here to tell you, God says, I got a good memory and I'm going to make sure you don't handle mine like that. But look at what happens. Say he got sloppy. Come on, y'all. We're almost done. Verse 9. Saul and his men spared Agag. Agag was the Amalekite king. He spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. So here's what they did. God, I'm only going to do the parts of your word I like. I'm not going to do the parts of your word I don't like. So, God, I'm going to say bless me, but I ain't submitting. I'm going to say bless me, but I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm only going to do the parts of your word that I want to do because success can sometimes make you sloppy. It's quiet Wednesday. Say, Lord, let me fully obey. Uh-uh, don't get quiet now. Say, Lord, let me fully obey. So he didn't follow the instruction. Look at verse 11. Here's what the Lord says. I'm sorry that I ever made this mark king. He has not been loyal to me. And he refused to obey my command. These kings ain't loyal. When a rich God wants you. And your people can't do nothing for you. These kings ain't loyal. <laughs> Listen. Uh, he's not been loyal to me. He refused. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. He didn't do what I said. He heard me loud and clear. I couldn't have. There was no ambiguity in my directive. He chose to disobey me. I wish I never would have made him king. What happens when God says, I wish I never would have given you a shot? I know, right? Now, how do I know he's not said that about you? What are you looking at, Bishop? Your and since you still have a pulse, somebody say he still has a plan. Look at verse 22. So Saul goes back and forth with Samuel because God tells Samuel, God tells the man of God, I'm sorry I made him king. You deal with him. When you come to church, God and I, he didn't already, when I preached to you, the reason you're like, oh my God, how did you, it's because God didn't put drown loaded by the spirit into me what he needs to say to you. You got what I'm saying? That's why I never, ever, it gets, some of these messages sometimes people send, like, like I'm directly calling people out because I know specific things. That's called the Holy Ghost. I don't have time. I'm not messy like you. I don't have time. Oh, excuse me, my petty came out. I don't have time to be sitting up running behind grown people like this. That's the Holy Ghost. Doesn't matter next to you. Say, that's the Holy Ghost. People talk about, you told them, ain't nobody told me nothing. That's the Holy Ghost. So he tells Samuel, deal with him. So, so Samuel, uh, Saul comes out to Samuel. Who going to be here? You be, you, come on, come on, you're going to be Saul real fast. We got to go. We got to go. All right, so I'm Samuel, you Saul. All right, you good? You in character? Need some water? Need a little powder? You good? You good? All right, all right, here we go. Here we go. Saul come out, and Saul is like, 
Man of God, I have obeyed the commandment of the Lord. Be careful when you patent yourself. Can, can I be honest with you? The danger of today's culture is that we tell people they're doing a good job when they're not. Oh, y'all not going to say nothing to me. Is we keep telling people you're doing great and they're not. You can't get better if you aren't given honesty. Oh, my God. You need to thank God for your friends that were honest with you. You need to thank God for your friends that were honest with you. You need to thank God for people that love you enough to say, baby, I know you tried, but you didn't hit it. I know you tried. Can you look at the people in your section and say, tell me the truth. We live in a culture that says, well, does everyone need, you know. No, we're not doing participation trophies. You didn't win. Well, you're going to crush their self-esteem. No, you're going to raise a punk that doesn't know how to rise up and fight. That Y'all not saying nothing to me. This new, okay, I'm going to preach now. This new age parenting, I can't get with that because you're disobeying and defying the word of God. You cannot defy God's word and think you're going to raise world-changing kids. You're going to raise kids that are entitled and sloppy and think they're the best when they are not. You don't crush their self-esteem, but if they needed to do better, you say, hey, son, awesome job. But let's right here, let's just work on that. But I don't want to crush his spirit. You're going to raise a devil. But I don't want them to know they lost. I just said everybody couldn't get over the finish line at the same time. You're going to raise a man that thinks it's okay to go off on people because he didn't get what he wanted. Move on, Bishop. Yes, okay. And I'm right, too. Check the book. It's right there. It's in green. You ready? Look at me. Saul walks out. I've done the will of the Lord. Samuel's like, then what are these sheep I hear in my ear? Notice he didn't cut him down. He was just like, hey, son, you, uh, are you sure? Did you, are you sure? Because maybe you don't know that you didn't do it. So he goes back and forth. He says, I did obey the word of the Lord. I did do it. I did do it. So Samuel is like, no, you didn't. Look at verse 11. Samuel is like, no, you didn't. He says, I'm sorry I ever made Saul king. He's not been loyal to me. He's refused to obey my command. Go to the next verse. It says this. Saul is going back and forth with Samuel. And Samuel is like, and this is how I know Samuel. See, listen, this is how I know Samuel. Um, uh, I would like Samuel. Because Samuel's like, listen. <laughs> Obedience is better than sacrifice. Because Saul started saying, well, we did keep some sheep. We did keep some stuff. We were going to give God an offering. We were going to sacrifice and give the Lord an offering, a, a victory offering. But what did God say do? Get rid of it all. Could it be that Saul, you were afraid to get rid of it all because your insecurity popped out again? Your fears popped out again. He says obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. He says God didn't want no offering. He wanted you to do what he said. Say, Lord, cause me to be obedient. Come on Wednesday. We about to go. Say, Lord, cause me to be obedient. Uh-uh, I need, I, need, I, need, I need us because, see, sometimes, can we just be real for a second? Imagine the, the depth of the commandment. Kill these men, 
kill these women, kill their children and the babies, and then kill the animals, kill everything. They didn't have, just, just can we let that settle for a moment? So could you imagine the, the, the depth of obeying the command? Be like, Whoa. all I'm God? See, because maybe this was like Abraham. I didn't want you to do it to all of them. I just wanted to see if you were going to do it. See, sometimes it looks much bigger than it really going to be. God says, I just want to see if you love them or me. So look, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Look at verse 23. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. What is rebellion? Rebellion. To deviate from a directive. Ready? The Bible says that you're a witch if you deviate. What's a male witch? A warlock. You keep thinking of those pentagrams and all that. Mm -mm. There's people saying, thank you, Jesus, that don't do nothing God say do. That's a witch. You keep thinking there's people going up on the mountain and sitting in circles with you know, black suits and stuff on. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You think it's the Illuminati. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. It's people talking about, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, and don't do nothing he say do. It's quiet Wednesday. Come on, don't y'all get quiet on me now. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Look at this. And stubbornness. You're stubborn. You ain't listening to nobody. You got your little arms crossed. And you don't recognize that stubborn actually puts you in a chain. He says, he says stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. In other words, while you talk about, ah, I love Jesus only. He says, no, you don't, because your stubbornness is just like you getting before a pyramid and saying, I worship you, pyramid. It's just like you getting in front of some relationship and, and, and sacrificing God on the altar of a relationship. He says, you might as well worship an idol. You might as well set you up a little clock and say, I believe in the clock, God. <laughs> I believe in the TikTok, God. He says, you've rejected the commandment of the Lord. Watch me. So he has rejected you as king. Everybody listen to me carefully because I got to make, here's my assignment tonight. Any area you've been stubborn, I have to get you out of that. Watch me. Tonight. Okay, let's try over here. Any area, some of y'all acting like you ain't got stubborn areas. Who in the building online can be honest that there are some areas where you might have a little stubbornness that needs to be broken. Come on, open your mouth and say, and it'll be broken tonight. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, whenever you're watching this message, this is your moment right now. This is my assignment. This is my assignment. This is my assignment tonight. This is the Lord has rejected you as king. He went through all this trouble to make you king. But your stubbornness, Saul, come on, Saul. He went through all this trouble to make you king. You're going to be a thug king. <laughs> He's from Inglewood. Listen. I met Inglewood, California, but see, people here thinking Inglewood. 80113. <laughs> all right, ready. He says, we went through all this trouble. I took you to the cookout. Put you at the head of the table. I had you. I had them lose the donkeys. I, I went through all of this to get you to your best six, only for you to be stubborn. And I ain't finna keep no witch. 
the throne. So he says, effective today, Saul, you're fired. But guess what? I'm going to leave you on the throne. And for 42 years, you are going to sit on the throne. Please go to the next. For 42 years, you are going to waste because of your stubbornness. Because I'm going to take my time preparing your replacement. He's not born yet. But I've already decided there's a man called David that will be your replacement. And I'm picking somebody that ain't here yet because I'd rather wait on them than deal with you. I'd rather adjust to your absence than deal with your attitude. So for 42 years, so he takes the throne at 30. He reigns for 42 years. He dies at 72 by a self-inflicted wound. Ready? He takes himself out. Why? Because he's stubborn. And here's stubborn. Say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I release every area of stubbornness. Here's stubbornness. It's a determination not to change your attitude or your position on something in spite of good reasons to do so. So, so Samuel tried to reason with you. You didn't do what God said. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I hear sheep in my ear. Bob, Bob, what, what is that? I didn't do it. Then you know what he does? Well, I kept some because my soldiers wanted some. In other words, I did this for my family. I did this for my mama then. I did this for my daddy then. I did this for my cousin then. I did all of this for somebody else. His stubbornness. He wouldn't change his attitude. What attitude? What is your attitude? It's a settled way of thinking. What attitude, Wednesday, does God say, if you bring that into these next six, I will fire you and let you work for free. Well, I prepare your replacement. You may think, well, fire me for what? What am I being fired from? See, the crazy thing, Saul, is you never knew you were supposed to build a temple. You never knew you were supposed to be the man after my own heart. You never knew you were supposed to be the one that people would uh, celebrate. You never knew that you were supposed to be the bloodline that I would come into the earth on. You never knew how great it was supposed to be for you. But when I saw your stubbornness, I decided I'd fall back. What is heaven withholding? And I know it's real and I need it to be real because I need you to change tonight. What is heaven withholding? Because he says, I'm not giving it to no witch. Because you know what's worse than a woman witch? A man witch. No, that wasn't actually a joke like that. It didn't come out how I planned it, but it works. And you know what the Bible says the punishment for a witch is? Death. He says, you are stubborn. You do what you want to do. You don't listen. You don't follow instructions. You have an attitude that I don't like. And you won't change your position. 
even after I've given you good reason to do it. So because of this, you can keep being, can keep your little throne, keep, 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 keep it, keep it all, keep it all. See, some of you think, you want, you want to know what's sad? You want to know what's sad? Is that some people think because the bottom hasn't fallen out that God's hand is still there. Now, recognizing that sometimes what God will do is say, I'm going to leave you in position to protect my name. But rest assured, Saul, somebody else will take that seat. And you know what the Bible says? I'm going to give the kingdom to a neighbor of yours who's better than you. And he's not even born yet. Because of stubbornness. Everybody stand in the building. Everybody stand online. Everybody stand. If your legs work, stand up. Don't be stubborn now. <laughs> How many of you know there's some areas that you, you maybe have some stubbornness? Come on. Let's all be honest. There's things that you are inflexible on that you should be flexible on. The things you're difficult to deal with. Stubbornness, it's a determination. Ain't nobody going to make me change. I ain't doing it. You should apologize to so I ain't apologize. You should do this and so I ain't doing this. You should do this. I ain't doing this. I'm not doing it. I'm grown. And God says, you're a grown witch. That's what he says. So Saul, you're going to reign for 42 years. And for 42 years, you're going to waste. Say, I don't have time for that. It's your time, Wednesday. Say, it's my time. But we do not have time. We don't have time for this. Lift your hands in this building and no line. Say, Father, like you did for Saul, he changed instantaneously. When your spirit came upon him, I ask you to come upon me powerfully right now and remove any area where I have been stubborn. Make all things new. Make all things new. Change what attitude needs to change. Change what thinking needs to change. Change what position needs to change. And I'll worship you and I'll worship you right now. In the building and online, I need you to worship God. Let his spirit overtake you. Go. Come on. We don't have 10 weeks for this. We don't have weeks for this. We don't have all the time for this. But God, you can touch me now. And make all things new. And make all things new. Just the voices. Everybody say you. You. Everybody say yes you. Forward. Now lift your hands, open your mouth and worship God right there. Father, take over. And Father, let the change be sudden. And let the change be sudden. And let the change be sudden. And let the change be sudden. 
God, don't let us be stubborn. God, don't let us be stubborn. Don't let us practice witchcraft. Don't let us be rebellious. Don't let us be stubborn. Don't let us be stubborn. Don't let us be stubborn. Come on, Wednesday. Ask the Lord. And I need this to happen instantly. And I need this to happen instantly. And I need this to happen instantly. Let me just hear your worship. Let me hear your worship. We don't have time for this to take weeks. We don't have time for this to take months. And suddenly he became a different person. And suddenly he became a different person. And suddenly he released his stubbornness. Say, God, I won't be stubborn. Come on, Wednesday, say, I won't be stubborn. Maybe there's some things you got to look at different. You don't have time to be stubborn. 42 years he wasted. Can I ask you a serious, sobering question? How many years have you wasted? You ready? You ready? You ready? Here's your prophecy. And that waste has come to its end. And in these next six months, I prophesy to you that whatever stubbornness has stolen from you, you shall recover. July, August, September, October, November, December. I need you to put a shout in the room if you believe it. Let the breaker come in the room. Let the breaker come in the room. Bright stubbornness. Bright stubbornness. Bright stubbornness. Bright stubbornness on YouTube. Bright stubbornness on Facebook. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Come on, I need you to worship God like he's breaking your stubbornness. Like he's breaking your stubbornness. Like he's breaking your stubbornness. Hallelujah. 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 Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. I need you to help somebody out tonight. I know I've had you talk to your neighbor a lot. I need you to help somebody tonight. Just find somebody, fist bump them. Say, and I pray the breaker breaks stubbornness off of you tonight. Online, I need you to tag somebody. By Sunday, some of y'all are going to have huge praise reports. Why? Because what was stagnating you and stopping you, it's about to be broken. It's about to be broken. It's about to be broken. We're about to go, but I have to complete my assignment. Say in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, break every ounce of stubbornness off of me right now. Right now. 
right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. It's about as close in this building. Listen to me. Please don't take this message lightly. Some of you already feel it now. You feel lighter. You don't feel as mad as you did when you walked in here? Who am I talking to? You feel like something's lifting up for you right now. Because the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. What he's done for another, he'll do the same for. Here's about eyes closed. Here's about eyes closed. Here's about eyes closed. If you're in this building or online, you need to become a Christian for the first time or recommit yourself to the Lord wherever you're at. This is your moment. Secondly, if you're giving your life to the Lord, but you've not been faithful to him, come back to the Lord tonight. Don't be stubborn. Come back. And third, if you like Bishop Holman, I don't know where things stand with the Lord, but I want to be sure. In the building, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand online to the hand wave emoji or say it's me. If you become a Christian, recommit yourself to the Lord or be sure wherever at on three, respond. Online, do the hand wave emoji or simply type these two words, it's me. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. One, two, three. If that's you, hands up in the building. Online, do that hand with your emoji and say it's me. Everybody pray this for me. Say, Father, thank you for that in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Give me the grace to not be stubborn. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or recommitted yourself to the Lord, scan that QR code or text the word decision to the phone number on the screen. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com bundle. USAA.
Restrictions apply.